What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Uh, great to have you here once again, hearing more and more people are tuning into the show and actually coming to us and saying, hey, we, we love what you're putting out. Um, this is some good stuff. So that means we're going to keep going uh, with great guests like I have today. Um, joining me on the show, I have Mark Bliss, the VP of Marketing at RightsLine. Um, Mark, good to have you here, man. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Love, love the conversation and the topic. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, uh, the title of this is is kind of um, bold, but it's how to stop the civil war between sales and marketing. And if your org is not having that issue, that's awesome. Um, the alignment there is is really great. Um, but if there are are some uh, hot conversations between the two. Um, marketing and sales, then this is definitely going to be a good podcast for you to listen to. Um, but before we jump into just the general agenda, uh, Mark, I like hearing background. Um, and also before we even get into that, um, are you a Pepsi or a Coke guy? We're just trying to mix up the, the, the podcast here and make it like weird. So what do you like? You know, I, so I used to be a Coke guy and then I switched to the, the zero sugar and then they were completely gone in the pandemic. So I switched to, 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 to buying the, the Pepsi Max. And now I, uh, I suppose I'm, I'm flexible. <laughs> I, will buy, I will buy whatever is on sale and in stock. It's kind of like toilet paper during the pandemic. As long as it was toilet paper, I was going to buy it. Hey, you're my guy. One time I came home, my wife rarely sends me to the store. And she's like, can you grab some toilet paper? So me goes into Wegmans and grabs the cheapest stuff that I can find. I mean, toilet paper is toilet paper, right? And she's like, what is this newspaper you brought home? This is junk. And she's like, never going to send me for toilet paper again. But um, <laughs> so that's how that goes. So I totally get it. Um, but yeah, so a Pepsi guy, but you're flexible. Very cool. Um, I'm pretty flexible with it as well. And uh, definitely go along with whatever's cheaper. I'm cool with that too. Um, but marketing background, tell us what got you to, to rights line. Has this been something you've been passionate about your whole career? Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've been in tech and SAS my entire career. Um, I started actually, I'm, I'm one of those weird people. Like I went to school for marketing, but I started off as a sales rep and did sales management for, for years prior to crossing the, you know, proverbial picket line and starting to build and lead marketing orgs. And so it's a really interesting thing for me. I'm typically at early stage SaaS companies. I, I love that like series A to series C range mm -hmm. where you're getting to try a lot of new things. You're getting to build foundational pieces. Uh, you're getting to take risks that you wouldn't otherwise get to, you know, the bigger the company. 
Uh, and so I really enjoy that. And that's, that's been, you know, the, the bulk of my career is, is that kind of early stage, hyper focus, hyper, you know, high growth SaaS company. But coming from the, the sales side of the house into the marketing side, it's, it, it's an interesting perspective, I think. In, in every org that I've been a part of, the, the first problem that I always try to solve is that civil war that you mentioned. And, and it's funny because you, you said most, you know, or whether or not you have one, everybody has one. Everybody has a civil war going on. They just don't know it. You know, mm -hmm. even the best organizations who are the most mindful of it, who put in the right processes, the, you know, the right tactics, the right compensation plans that align all of the goals, there's still always going to be elements of it. Uh, and so I think that the, the purposeful actions that you can make and being able to review that on an ongoing basis is, I think, the, the most critical piece, right? Mm -hmm. um, so basically, the, the first step is learning that they aren't two separate functions. Um, and some might not agree with that, but that's this podcast is to dig into that. Um, so why do you believe that they they should be working together and that they shouldn't be addressed as two different um, departments, really? Well, I and I know it's controversial, right, to, to, to say, OK, well, you know, marketing is so unique and, you know, we do so much more than just demand gen and it's and it's branding and it's messaging and product marketing. It's all of these things. Right. And we, we want to talk about that and we want to pat ourselves on the back and we're like, well, sales guys just sell, right? But the sales side is also really complex and they're navigating really complex deals where they're making creative decisions on a daily basis to be able to drive these deals forward. And so they believe the same thing. Well, we're doing it so unique and anybody can just, you know, put a post on social media. Like I do that, I can't, it's not that hard. And so the fact that we really separate and you know pride ourselves on our individual roles kind of stands in the way of us being able to call ourselves one team. And you know the sales cycle is it's no longer linear, right? The traditional handoff where you're saying, okay, well it's a uh, an MQL, and then that goes to an SAL, and then that goes to an SQL, and so on and so on and so on. That's not really there in the same way anymore. You know, the process is being done by, you know, buyers behind the scenes. They're doing their own research. They're skipping steps and then hidden buying committees all come in and then they rewind and stall opportunities all, all day long. And so those changes, I think, really make it critical for sales and marketing to truly have alignment for it to be one team. And let's not forget, marketing is no longer just demand gen, here's the lead, sales tag, right? That's gone. Marketing needs to market throughout the entire sales cycle and even beyond, you know, to reduce churn and, and, and increase upsells, right? So honestly, no deal, no deal, not a single deal is going to close without it being touched by both. Mm -hmm. That's the reality of any organization, you know, whether or not, you know, somebody wants to do this, you know, first touch or like original source attribution, right? Every, everything is touched by both. Every deal that marketing sources has a heavy sales influence, which, 
you know, depending on the success and quality of every sales rep depends on whether or not that lead actually turns into revenue, no matter how good it is. And the reverse is also true. Every sales source opportunity that they create on their own cold call or through a referral from an existing customer or somebody in their network is still going to have heavy, heavy amount of interaction with marketing efforts. And so I think this has to start with an understanding that both are working on the same objective and are going to be involved in every deal, no matter who gets credit for it in today's model or not. And honestly, strategies that are coming out like like ABM, you know, and, and how big of that a, a buzzword that is. I, I love ABM. I, I love it as a as a process as a, as a campaign. It, it honestly is like rollback to simpler times, right? Like you're not. <laughs> there's a there's a level of complexity that doesn't need to exist with ABM, but alignment between sales and marketing becomes critical when you're doing actual ABM or, you know, I think like with the terminus, they talk about it like account-based everything. And it's true. It, everything has to be account-based. You need to make sure that you're marketing to the same accounts that your sales team, A, wants to talk to and B, is willing to call. Mm -hmm. and, and, and all of that stuff comes together. So I think, you know, it's not really separate functions anymore. And as controversial as it might be, as much as we all want to say that we're, we're different and unique, and, and we are, we also have to acknowledge that without the other, nothing closes. And we're both sides of the spectrum are involved in every single deal. Mm -hmm. um, something that crossed my mind, I'll kind of add to what you were saying there was, well, what happens if the sales team is doing an outbound motion, they get a cold call uh, to answer, right? They get an, they send in a cold email and they have that one-on-one -on -one conversation eventually leading to maybe a closed deal, right? But that could on the outside look like it's sales doing everything and it doesn't touch marketing, but not that I ever respond to cold emails or cold calls. But if I did, the first thing I do is I'll go look at the website. Um, maybe I'll look at some of their social content and then I'll make a decision from there. Or maybe I know the brand and that's all attributed to marketing and the work that they've put in. So um, if you're thinking, well, how does outbound tie into marketing? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, that journey along the way? Exactly. And, and not even in that, that first touch. So that's a great example by saying, okay, I get a cold call and I'm going to start checking their social channels. I'm going to check their website. I'm going to understand their product before I ever hit that reply button. Like mm -hmm. no, no matter how good that cold email is, which by the way, may have also been written by marketing, but True. no matter how good that cold email is, you're still going to do additional research. You know, this mm -hmm. isn't 1997 anymore. And I'm like, that's a really good email. That totally compels me to reply. No, there's going to be some additional research that takes place that falls into the things that marketing has already done. And so, yeah, I, I think having that awareness and understanding and making sure that you make the changes necessary within the organization to truly capitalize on that. You know, if you know that that's the way that people buy and you know that both sides are going to be in every deal, then aligning them becomes critical to your bottom line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so since there's really no traditional handoff anymore, what would you say that process actually looks like? Um, let's say we get inbound through marketing and then it moves over to an MQL and then to, they hand it off to sales. 
I mean, the handoff really isn't there if they're one team. So how would you explain that? I think it's, it's different in the sense that you're, you're now working through the entire process, right? And so first and foremost, marketing has to ensure that information publicly available at every single stage of the buying cycle. So making sure that every stage, everywhere that somebody might be, because that inbound lead may already be a 70% probability to close because of work that's already been done behind the scenes because of their own research, because of what you've had available. Conversely, that opportunity that's been stalled for six months needs unique content that's probably earlier in the journey, even though we're calling it 70% likely to close, just given the time and the steps that they've gone through in the buying cycle. So I think aligning and making sure that you've got all of the content you need throughout, I think is gonna be big. Uh, next, sales needs to be able to do two things incredibly well. They have to be able to qualify, understanding which stage this buyer really is in, and it is organic, it is a moving target. They're gonna have to continuously move and migrate in the CRM where that opportunity, where that deal is, where that prospect actually sits in their buying journey. And they're also gonna to need to curate. And the latter is, is where the relationship matters most. Being able to completely kill that just reaching out message. I just wanted to check in. I, uh, yeah. I, I wanna know where things are at. And, and you're doing that because you're, A, you're, you're trying to move things forward that may not be able to be moved forward because you don't have an understanding of where where it is in the buying cycle, but you're also trying to simply fill time. Like you, you know, the sales reps know they have to do outreach. They're going to have to check in on it at the next sales meeting. You know, the CRO is going to ask, where's this opportunity sit? When's the last time you talked to them? So being able to say, Hey, I just sent off an email is great. But mm -hmm. where the relationship really comes into play is you can kill that and actually add real value. So you're creating content and you're curating that content and, and, and making sure that that alignment is taking place to where you could actually, if nothing, if nothing exists, not a single blog, white paper, video, nothing at all exists for that prospect's unique need and why that deal has stalled, then you just create something new. And that's, that's the difference. And that's, that's honestly the holy grail of this sales and marketing alignment is to be able to create fast paced custom content, you know, mm -hmm. doing fake in ours. Like we're gonna, we're gonna fake that we did this webinar. We'll do an on-demand one uh, with a subject matter expert. We'll do it that afternoon, give you a 20 minute piece of content that you can then share that addresses everything that they seem to be stalled on and then the sales rep gets to be, you know, the hero in curation and say, hey, we just did this webinar on this topic. I know it was really, really you know, pertinent to the, the conversation that we just had last week. The most relevant section is from two minutes and 15 seconds to four minutes and 30 seconds. Here are the key bullet points. And that piece is where marketing needs to come to play, right? So teaching the sales team mm -hmm. how to curate, how to 
deliver that message as it was intended. So if we're creating a piece of content, that could be custom content like we're talking about, or it could be you know, even just a simple blog. What and why? Like, why did we create it? How do you use it? You know, that type of marketing is going to be important. And you got to do that internally because you can create as much content in the world. But if your sales team doesn't know how to use it or why you created it in the first place, I mean, yeah, it's going to drive some some leads. You're going to you're going to benefit from from SEO. It's going to drive that traffic in for sure. You're going to engage on social media, but it's not going to be able to be leveraged in the sales cycle. And if you have that disconnect in the sales cycle, you're leaving revenue on the table. Um, let's dive into that more. That's a super interesting play um, when it comes to creating uh, prospect specific content, um, I guess is a, a way to do it or explain it. Um, what are some, so let's say the deal is, has stalled. How do you know what content to create for that lead? Well, honestly, that's where the communication comes in from the sales team. You know, what, what, had, you know, what was the last conversation? Where were the objections that they had in the sales cycle? You know, is, you know, is it something product related where mm. they had, they asked three questions about a particular product feature and they just don't understand it. No matter how many times you demoed it, they're not getting it. Or is it something external? You know, they're, you know, waiting to understand from IT how they're going to integrate with an internal system. And so in either way, you, you understand what's stalling them because you've heard it on the demo or you heard it on whatever, whatever the last call was, mm. there was something that stalled them. So you create this custom content that's targeted to whatever that thing was. And that's part of the reason why I put, uh, be, because communication is key. I, I, I always make sure that my marketers, everybody on the team has a demo quota that they have to attend every single month. And it varies dependent on the role. But I, I mean, I could tell you, you know, people who create content for me are going to attend a demo every week. Mm -hmm. And part of that is to hear what's happening. Hey, you get to stay on top of the market. That's great any content marketer you get to hear how, how they're pitch, pitching how the message is delivered you know same thing with product marketing you know you want to be involved in those demos but it's also going to give you you know you don't even have to rely on the salesperson if you're on the call you can message the salesperson after after the fact tell the the ae hey i it seemed like they were having a hard time grasping that let's do a 10 minute video on it, or let's do a blog on it. Let's do like whatever's really relevant that you heard. Mm -hmm. We can surface it, create a piece of content. And you know what? I bet you they're not the only prospect that's ever going to have that same hurdle. And once mm -hmm. you create it, now you can leverage it. Yeah. Now your, your AE understands how you used it for that lead. And it's in the back of their mind for the next one that comes down the pipeline, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to good communications, what are the, what are some other, besides good communication, I should say, um, what are some other ways that you found the two departments can build relationship? Because everyone says, oh, well, they just need to communicate. But I feel like there's a deeper, <laughs> a deeper strategy behind that, um, creating that alignment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'd call it deeper. I think it's simple. I just don't know that most companies are willing to go there. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I think you know it's it's it, it's all about it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I hate I, I hate to I hate to say it, but it's it's compensation is is the thing that's going to drive. And yeah, there's this old adage, and it, you know, it still exists that you know all sales reps are coin operated. But honestly, everybody is to a degree. Whatever whatever you are paid to do is what's going to get your focus. And so when we talk about variable compensation, A, every marketer should have it, and B, it should be tied to the same revenue targets and quotas that the sales team has, mm-hmm. at least the majority of it. I mean, you can still... You can still absolutely, you know, have bonus metrics that are related to things that are like leading indicators, making sure that things get done. But if you're not a majority tied to revenue, then nobody's goals are aligned. You know, you have completely separate goals and end games. And that that drives that that entire civil war. Yeah, because marketing is like, I hit, I hit my bonus because I did. And, and the list, the success that they had with, you know, traffic coming in, the list of the MQLs, hell, they could even list the amount of opportunities created. But if none of it's closing, it's all irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it, it's about tying those two together, having similar, I mean, they don't have to be the same compensation model. You don't have to give every marketer commission, right? You know, nobody's going to do that. But if you do have a percentage, you know, like 20% of their overall OTE is variable, have at least 51% of that tied to the same revenue target as sales. Mm -hmm. Sales has a quarterly revenue target. So does marketing. That's where all, you know, everything, the buck stops with bookings, right? You know, like what, what is that, what is that revenue that you're bringing in? And if you can align on that, if marketing is paid to make sure that the company keeps selling and mm-hmm. closing deals, uh, you're going to see a lot more marketers who care about selling and closing deals. And on the flip side of that, when those deals are closed and sold, you need to align the kudos and celebration because you, you know, you as an organization know that there's not a deal that happens that was solely sales driven, that marketing wasn't involved in. Mm-hmm. When you're giving the sales rep the proverbial pat on the back, make sure that you call out members of marketing who helped drive that, maybe the custom content they created, or you know, maybe that lead, uh, you know, click, you know, like on three social posts, you know, highlight that, highlight your social media manager for the work that they did that helped drive that account to close because you don't have those interactions. You know, whether or not it's still closed is cool. That's a debate for another day, but you don't even need to have that debate if everybody's aligned and understands that everything works to the end goal. Mm-hmm. I think that comes right back to what you were saying about there's no more of the handoff. It doesn't stop when you pass off the MQLs and then you hop right back on the hamster wheel to generate more crappy leads. Um, it's, it's a process all the way through, uh, all the way through to close one, or, or I mean, even close lost, but hopefully close one. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and beyond, right? I mean, this same relationship, True. everything that I'm talking mm-hmm. about with, with account executives, it's the same thing for your customer success. Mm-hmm. True. Your CSMs should have the same exact relationship with marketing. You know, advocate marketing, customer marketing is so critical, particularly in SaaS. 
I mean, even if you don't grow the account, you're trying to make sure that you don't have any churn. Mm -hmm. And so all of these same principles come into effect. If you have a customer who's, you know, their users are not, you know, truly leveraging the software and your data is showing you that and they are a churn risk, any type of custom content that you need to create to save that client is something that you need to do. And, you know, again, no, no two clients, I mean, are alike, but you're also going to have some similarities. The problem that they have, somebody else is going to have down the road. So it's not like you're wasting time creating a single piece of content for a singular customer. You're mm -hmm. able to reuse that. And so, yeah, everything I talked about is the exact same thing when you go past close one and you're shifting into your customer's success and you're talking more, you know, reducing churn and, you know, in, you know, adding those upsell opportunities, you know, selling into white space is, is exactly the same thing as we're talking about with this, you know, from the top of the funnel demand gen into the sales cycle and being able to push it through there. I mean, it's marketing through the entire journey. Marketing is an integral piece of every dollar that comes into the company, whether it's new revenue generated or it's renewals marketing is tied into everything. And so I think understanding that, and I think making the decisions as a company to be able to drive that alignment across the organization, you know, th that makes all the difference. You know, even a 1% improvement in close rate because you've aligned sales and marketing makes a huge difference on the bottom line. Mm -hmm. um, I thought I just had, we have never done this, but it could be applicable to what you were just bringing up about creating content when they're about to churn, or if you have that gut feeling that it's about to happen, um, do a podcast. Um, like I said, we've never used that strategy for any of our clients. It might be a good idea down the road, um, but get the decision maker on, uh, make them the, the expert and guess what? And you have content that you can use down the road. Um, I think that's a great way to further the deal. Um, but anyway, Mark, this has been really good. Uh, let's move on to the final segment here. We're running up, we're coming close on time. Um, so what I like to do is switch roles where you're the podcast host and I sit back and I pretend like I'm getting interviewed. So is there anything that comes to mind for you? Um, questions about marketing that you want to ask me? Well, I mean, you started me off with Coke versus Pepsi. So I, I will, I will start you off. Uh, with let's do let's do favorite uh, breakfast cereal. Uh, honey bunches of oats all the way. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice, nice one. Um, let me ask a real real question. Um, we talked a lot about this like sales and marketing alignment. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you involve sales in a big strategic marketing project like new website launches? And in, in your experience, what have you done to be able to align them? Um, here's something that it could be really helpful, right? So your whole idea here, and I mean, a lot of organizations too, is that they're one team. So let's say that you have a wireframe, you have the content ready for your website. So marketing puts all that together. And then why not just send that over to sales and say, Hey, we would love your feedback since you're part of this journey too. Um, does this align with what you're hearing on calls? Is this the language that prospects and leads are using? Is this the lingo that is tossed around on sales calls? And that could be pretty valuable feedback for a marketing team. 
Um, you could simply put the site in uh, markup, I think markup.io or something like that, um, and just send it out to the sales team and say, hey, we would love feedback on this. We can't promise that every single suggestion you give is going to be used, but we value your feedback. And that's only going to deeper the relationship with sales as well, because they'll be like, wow, they actually value what we have, the ideas that we're going to come up with. Um, and I think it could really tighten the alignment and give you feedback from people that are talking to customers every single day. Yeah, absolutely. I think the two ways that anybody listening is going to know if your organization as of today really cares about marketing and sales alignment is A, is sales involved in marketing strategic brainstorms? Hmm. Are they involved? Are, are they on that call? Are they communicating in the Slack channel for the new website you're developing? Um, if the answer is yes, that's a good thing. <laughs> if no, then you've got something to fix. Uh, and then the other side of that equation is if marketing's not in the weekly sales meetings, then you've got a problem too. Uh, so yeah. both, both sides of that equation, it doesn't really cost you anything other than you know, time to involve people but the benefits, oh my gosh, the, the amount of insight that I've gotten from sales reps doing like a website redesign, hmm. incredible. You know, is it mostly the content and wording side or is it exactly. visual as well? Mo most, it? Okay. Mo mostly the content and the wording side. I mean, hmm. we've, we've had a couple of opportunities where they had a really big idea hmm. for a new page, you know, something that we hadn't thought of before. Um, but you know, for, for the most part, it's just copy changes and messaging and nine times out of 10, when I split test that they were right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's the weirdest thing. The people that talk to the, the prospects every single day might know something about how the prospects would want to read something. Go figure, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I guess my, my, my last question uh, would be the, the ways to get that type of real-time feedback, uh, you know, from sales to marketing, but also marketing to sales. Uh, you know, how, how do you generate that, that real-time feedback after you've launched something or you're testing out an idea? Mm -hmm. um, as for real-time feedback, I think this goes beyond sales, in marketing alignment. And this can be to the entire org. So let's say you launch a new website. Um, they're, they're giving you the feedback. Why not open a Slack channel, especially for sales and marketing? Um, I mean, or whatever communication you might be using and just have sales when they get an objection, put it in Slack, let it be an open communication to say, Hey, I got this while I was on a call today. Um, this might be cool to incorporate into the copy on the site or, hey, here's a frequently asked question. I've gotten this four times over the last two weeks. Could this be incorporated uh, in a frequently asked section on the site? Things like that, where you keep the communication lines open, even vice versa, when it goes from marketing to uh, sales, a Slack channel would be so easy for a company to implement. And it is kind of encouraging to know, hey, they're gonna take my feedback, just stick it in this channel and maybe you'll see it pop up on the website one day. Well, that, that's the piece right there. Are, you know, they're going to take my feedback. Mm -hmm. That's the piece. You, know, you can't just put it out there and check the box and say, you've got the Slack channel. Yeah. Hey, you've got you, you've to you've push the pride away and say, this great thing that I created might not be so great if 50% you know, of my sales team has responded that they hate it. 
you know, like at, at some point you, you have to be able to put that away and two, you got to be open to trying the things that you think might be stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just is in order to have that type of communication and really encourage it. If they throw out an idea, you have to at least think through it, if not try it nine times out of 10. And you know how mm-hmm. deep and quick it is to throw an ad out there with messaging that they've come up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really fast. You can show them that you did it, that what they told you is now something live that marketing is running. And here was the results. It's either, hey, this was really great and it worked. Thank you so much. You were awesome. Or, hey, we tried it. It didn't really work. What's your next idea? Mm-hmm. But you got to take action, right? Yeah. For me, I'm lucky because with starting our own business here, I am over sales and over marketing. So I have, I'm in both worlds when it comes to talking to customers and then also doing the the marketing side of things. And it's, it's crazy. If you're not on gong calls, listening to what's going on in a sales call, if you're not on demos with a rep, um, then you need to be listening to your sales team and what they're saying about objections, about something they heard, the language that your customers are using. And I'm proof of this because I talk to customers every single day um, and I'm on the marketing side. Um, I don't have to do operations, which is great, but those are the two where I play. So it's, it's awesome to know that yes, um, the customers do speak the language that will feed um, your marketing, but I could go on for on with that for forever, but uh, we'll wrap it up right there. So Mark, um, before we go, um, I do like to hear about uh, what your company is doing. So Rightsline, give me like the minute and a half elevator pitch of what you guys do. Oh, I'll give you a shorter one than that. <laughs> we make work easy or at least easier for rights professionals. Mm-hmm. So think like any media company that's developing and acquiring content like TV shows, movies, or podcasts. There's a lot of complexity into you know, what you own, what you have rights for, you know, the rights out, what's available into the marketplace, who has access to what, uh, particularly in today's digital environment uh, with streaming everywhere, that becomes so incredibly critical. So we take some of the complexity out of a pretty complex process uh, and we allow our customers to maximize their portfolios without having to maximize their daily to-do lists. Awesome. That sums it up nicely. Probably what, 30 seconds there? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Awesome, man. Um, Well, hey, I appreciate you joining me here for a a podcast on marketing. I'm sure you could talk about it all day. I could talk about it all day. Um, The listeners are probably glad that we didn't bring sports into the conversation because we could talk about that all day. Um, It's been a pleasure having you here, man. Oh, man, I wouldn't talk about sports all day. I'm from Detroit, so I don't have a lot to say. (laughs) You'd start crying (laughs) mid-conversation. but (laughs) Exactly. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This is a ball. Hey, you got it, man. Thanks so much.